0: Gentlemen, support for KOTL is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-belt grooming, but let's be honest, you are going to use it for your abs, you're going to use it for your chest, you're going to use it, man, the summertime is coming. You are going to thank me, trust me, I tried it. It's got the six-pack approval, it's safe, it's easy to use, it's cordless, you could, I mean, you can get it wet. Don't worry. This thing seems like it's going to be dropped and keep on moving. And not only will you thank me, but your girl's going to thank me. Please support the podcast that has supported the community all these years. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use promo code KOTL and pick it up at manscaped.com. But, um, all right, six pack lap of I got my man Sean Mills, and um, okay, so we were just talking about your schedule, my man. So, what is so you decided you were saying you're going to focus on corrupted strength.
1: Yeah, so I ultimately made the decision a couple weeks ago to not sign up for Raw Nationals just due to the quick turnaround time from my previous meet, which was Junior Nationals. And I figured that within that six to eight weeks, it really wouldn't be enough time to really put enough time to put enough pounds on my total to make an adequate improvement. So I figured I would just take the time over the summer to really focus on just getting stronger in order to put up the best performance I can come November at the Corrupted Strength Classic.
0: And we were saying, like, these quote unquote local meets don't look like local meets like they used to, man.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> uh, the Corrupted Strength Classic is not even going to be at Corrupted Strength. They're having a whole venue. It's going to be in, like, in a big ballroom, I believe. It's going to be, it's going to look like a primetime Raw National. That's what it's going to look like, what they're trying to really do with it.
0: Fucking, they're in, like, a whole ballroom and everything, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's legit. It's not just like in some random gym. It's not like that anymore.
0: Dude. Well, I mean, when you, when it's going to be Russ and corrupted strength, you know, they're going to try to level up.
1: Oh, obviously, because you know, they're, they're trying to really set the standard out here for, for other people to follow, you know? So when, when it comes down to that, they have to go big or go home.
0: Right. Is it going to be, so is it like, um, Was it tough to make the decision to skip USAPL Raw Nats or is it because you did Junior Nats? So is it kind of like you got your taste of it?
1: Yeah. So my initial plan was to do Junior Nationals and then after that, go for the primetime junior slash teen session at Raw Nationals in order to get the pro card. But just the way that USAPL set it up, I just didn't really like it because if I were to do raw Nationals, I wouldn't want to be going up against other juniors or teens. I would want to go against the Open. And with the way that they set it up with doing Junior Nationals and like the path to get said pro card, it didn't really make sense for me to go through a whole other thing when I could just do the same me and potentially podium in the Open. Mm.
0: So what's the game? So then, so you decided, all right, you're going to forego um, USAPL. And you were saying you were actually going to travel down to Texas for the summertime and train down there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So over the summer, I am going to be working closer with Corrupted Strength, Get Better Today, as well as just focus on my own training down there. I feel like Houston right now is the fitness mecca of the world. And that's really where the opportunities are at in terms of the potential to grow. And just further improve my own brand. So I'm taking the initiative to move down there for three months. And then I'll come back for the fall to finish up my last year at Penn State. And then I'll return that November to compete at the Corrupted Strength Classic.
0: Dude, Texas is fucking, it's historically always been this way. But Texas has got so many killers, man
1: it's texas like it has the strongest lifters in the world you know especially specifically san antonio the strongest group of lifters in the world you know
0: and and, um yeah for sure man i mean you look at the amount of people whether they're going usapl ipf or whatever there's so many people down there that are lifting it's crazy they could field their own national team and like grab world titles and all types of shit it's crazy man
1: well that's essentially what they're trying to do with jesus uh lugo pobs mikey they're all trying to go to worlds and win it and they're all they all train together every single day it, it's really something special that you don't see many many places else you know
0: and all of them also on their train with joey flex that's that's team flex as well
1: yeah that is team flex that's right so are you going down there essentially to train with the team flex boys or um well i'm as a byproduct of being down there i will be training with most people that are on flex but i mean that's not the main reason i'm going it just so happens so that most of the strongest lifters down in the south aside from anyone on team craftsmanship is a part of flex so i'll just be
0: around them yeah and team craftsmanship's got people there's like there's a lot of people in in uh Texas, oh yeah. Man. It's there's just so many fucking people. Like if you mm-hmm. hold an event down there, even if they're not all competing, people are going to be showing up. Yeah, you know, people show in. up, show love.
1: It's awesome. It's yeah. great.
0: At gyms and stuff, you walk into any powerlifting gym around there, you could probably see right up to like legends like Ray Williams who are from like a decade past, you know, who was around mm-hmm. a decade ago. You have like legends in the game down there. It's it's wild. And um I mean Texas has been historically like this, but this is very deep. When you get down there, man, you got to fucking soak it up because this mm-hmm. is like, you know, there's time periods and errors always come to an end, even though it's like, it'll always be this way. It won't always be this way. So when right. you find yourself in a moment and you go down to Texas for three months and you got all of the big names around you, you know, from Ashton Rouska to freaking whoever Petrie to what, like all, everyone's down there um, to all the people you already named on the flex squad you got to be in the moment and soak that up, man, because it's,
1: it's really easy. something special. Because we're living in the present right now. And a part of li- living in the present, we always talk about what the good old days are, you know, and we're really living through that right now. Oh, you yeah. know, we're really living through like what I, what I call is maybe even a golden era of powerlifting where we're just seeing limits being surpassed, which we've never seen before.
0: And we're just watching it with our own eyes happen right now before us. It's crazy, man, because you got a dude in his 40s talking to a dude in his early 20s, and you're telling me, like, look at man, we got to live in the now because we talk about the good old days. And it's true, you got a good way of looking at things, but it's 100% true that sometimes you got to stop and, ref- and like realize you're in a goddamn moment. And then yeah. shit ain't going to last, man. You're going right. to look back and be like, oh, damn, did we have it all? Yeah, Didn't we yeah, have absolutely. it all, man? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where where do you plan on staying when you're down there in Texas? Are you gonna go to like like get a place or
1: like there's so Russ, Russ's brand Get Better Today has actually just gotten me situated with an apartment down there that's gonna be around 20, 25 minutes from uh Stafford, which is where all the gyms are. So it'll be cool. I'll be in the city living on my own, just in my element. I'm just I'm I'm really, I'm really grateful of the opportunity because I really think I'm going to not just physically, but mentally grow as well. Just being on my own out there because up here in Philadelphia, Philadelphia area, I'm very comfortable. I have everything kind of laid out for me here and I, I want to take a step out of my comfort zone to really grow as an individual. And that's, that's what I think will happen.
0: Dude. Um, Well, first off, it's the fucking wildest even to hear about you know, people like sponsoring lifters to go down to the state and fucking live there for three months, put them up in an apartment. Like this is crazy, man. Like that kind I'm of very stuff, appreciative. That, that would never happen. Like even five years ago, that'd be crazy to talk about.
1: I, I guess so. Yeah. It's crazy because as the sport gets bigger, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more money come into just the competition setting. But in addition with sponsorships and and brands it opens up the door to so much more that i'm that i couldn't be more grateful for
0: dude you came at a, at a beautiful fucking time to be walking mm-hmm. in there and have these kind of opportunities and um do you drink i, I drink a little bit um i just usually I, I usually refrain from
1: it just because i don't like how it affects my training just because i'm always looking at a week to week block to block uh basis in terms of okay well i need to be i need to be recovered so i can set up to hit this and then i can this translated server to this but my 21st birthday is this summer in august so i'm definitely gonna have to have fun for that and and uh ease up a little bit but usually usually i don't go crazy now especially being in college it's like i'm like the odd one out
0: i was gonna say my man you're in college good looking dude uh a, a jock who's not necessarily on like a, a team sport like for a varsity sport but still nonetheless right. you i'm sure you get no shortages of being invited to parties and whatnot it's got to be tempting as shit man
1: yeah i mean i'm in a fraternity so i kind oh had to... dude
0: how do you all, how does this work like how do first off how do you get into a fraternity is fraternity life like everything they make it out to be in movies and shit.
1: Um, but- in the well, it, in the movies and all that, not necessarily. But I mean, it, it's you know, people come to big universities such as Penn State, and it's like gr- it's like revered to be a part of Greek life because it's just it, it's like um, it's like a big social aspect, you know. Because right. especially as a guy going to a big university, it's hard to really get into big. Parties or anything if you're not a part of a fraternity already, or if you don't know someone in a fraternity. So it's more a social thing than anything else. But I mean, with being competitive athlete, I really had to pick and choose how much I want to be a part of that. So as a result of trying to be the most competitive I can, I haven't really, I over the past couple years, I just finished up my third year at Penn State. I've started going out less and less to just focus on my craft, which I don't have any regrets about because it led to me being in the situation that I'm in today, which mm. I'm super appreciative of. But yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, doesn't really mix too well.
0: Yeah, no, no shit look at i've never been part of a fraternity but i'm i am aware of what a fraternity is yeah. it seems the wildest especially if you were like the sober guy amongst like it must be wild when they're do they have like full-on fraternity like you live in an, all in the same house right or, or
1: so a lot of brothers do live in house yes i i personally didn't just because they have an in-house chef and just the dietary choices that uh, most like average people have I can't really live by I have to do my own grocery shopping Two, three times a week So I figured it wouldn't be best for me To be living in that setting But I'm very close with everyone Who does live inside the house
0: Dude, if you lived in that setting You would definitely have some slip ups
1: I don't. Have- <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big thing too Because when you're living in that setting You don't really have a choice to Like you kind of have to be a part of everything Because yeah. otherwise you're just locked in your room And that's no good either so I, I kind of had to separate myself a bit and distance myself from it. But if I didn't, I certainly would not be in the position I am today. Like, I remember when I won collegiate mats in 2021, I won it by, like, it came down to the last pool. And I told myself after that, if I had gone out all those many times that I wanted to, I definitely would not have won. And that really set, that really set me up to do many things that I was able to do in the future in terms of social media, just uh, physical and mental growth as, as well as being affiliated with the brands I'm affiliated with
0: dude 100 this this um maturity and discipline is gonna it's a, it's for sure a plus it makes a difference for sure every mm-hmm. you you like man if you party on the weekend there's no question your mondays your tuesdays it's gotta impact man especially if you're partying like fraternity boys party
1: absolutely yeah there's it's no it's not even questionable it's like it's very apparent
0: Yeah. No, you make, you're doing the right decision because I mean, you're always going to have opportunities to have cocktails for as long as you live. Your, your, your physical prime is right now, man. These opportunities are for you right now.
1: You're absolutely right.
0: How did you end up like finding powerlifting? Were you weightlifting when you were a kid?
1: Man. Okay. So my father was always into training. He he played division two football at Franklin and Marshall university And so as a result, he was always just in the gym weightlifting. And even when I was young, like under 10 years old, he'd always drop me off uh, at like certain daycares or whatever in order to go to the gym. And I kind of always looked up to him as like he was like Superman because he was the only guy in my life that I that I knew was super swollen jacked. And so I came to him when I was around 12, 13 years old, I believe. And I told him that I wanted to get into weight training and resistance training because I just wanted to I wanted to look good. I wanted to be strong. And as a result, like not even as a result, but even growing up, I was. I was just naturally stronger than most kids around me, whether it be wrestling around or horsing around or playing backyard football or whatever. I was, I was stronger than everyone else. So I, I wanted to capitalize on that, knowing that I'm already good at something and then take that to the next level with just getting in the weight room. So I was in like sixth, seventh grade when he introduced me to it. And then in around, I was just doing bro splits five by fives at the time because we didn't really know anything else being yeah. outside of a powerlifting setting. And then around 11th or 12th grade of high school is when I started getting introduced to squat bench and deadlift. And so I did that for a bit. I had a buddy who I used to be friends with in high school who knew a bit about all that stuff. So he would write a couple programs for me. And then it was freshman year of college at Penn State where I reached out to both Joey Flex and Sean Noriega for coaching. And uh, Joey got back to me.
0: And that's, that's usually how it works, man. You people mm-hmm. reach out and the first person to reply, which can be total chance, right? It can be total luck of the draw. He just got to the email quicker and you're like, yeah, oh, that's man.
1: really what it was because Sean got back to me, I believe like a month later. And by that time I was already like on a block. So I, was, I just didn't
0: respond. It is what it is, man. And, mm-hmm. and that's the way she goes. How did you choose? Cause this is what, this is 2019 ish. Yeah. 2019 end of 2019. So how did you choose those two in 2019?
1: So my best friend right now, his name's Joe. He was involved in powerlifting ever since 2016. He competed at 2016 Raw Nationals just as a kid. And he really knew about the sport and just knew of the people involved. And towards the end of 2019, as I was getting more involved into powerlifting, he and I would talk about all these people, um, that were in the sport and were at the top, and all these coaches and their athletes and how they've progressed over the years. So I already had known about Joey and Sean just because I knew of the whole situation where Sean used to be under Joey and then uh just like Joey's athletes as a whole, how he used to coach John and obviously how he coached Russ. So I already knew of Joey as kind of like the Bill Belichick of powerlifting. So when I wanted to think of a coach to reach out to, they they were the, the first people on my mind easily.
0: Who are the athletes in terms of the lifters that you, that got you into powerlifting or when you first got into it, you were like following them and they were your inspiration, your motivation. So
1: it's funny because I don't really, I wouldn't say, if I were to have to pick someone, I was, I was watching a lot of, um, in 2019, I was watching a lot of Pug the Goat and his, or like Ricky Cho and the villain.
0: His, yeah,
1: the villain. Yeah, man, and dog.
0: I remember 2019. Pug, he was fucking spicy.
1: 2019 was a very interesting time because what and what really got me hooked onto the sport was the whole thing going on with the 74s. Because oh,
0: in Fox, son, tell me about it, man. I was it all was about a it. Special time, yeah because
1: you know we had we had pug we had michael and we had austin and they were all on these trajectories progressing super fast and it looked like it was very possible that they could overtake taylor yeah. and ever since then we we obviously have seen what-, what has happened since but it was really just um my friend joe hyping up to me the fact that like oh like we, we have the goat right here. And then we have these rising stars that could potentially overtake them. And just following that and getting wrapped up into that, that, that really like fueled me and got me invested into not just the sport and the lifting, but just lifters in general.
0: I remember. So I remember that era, obviously, like I was, um, I had podcasts with like all four of those people on there. So they were all like leading into Nats. I remember having all four of them on. And then after mm-hmm. Nats, I remember having all four of them on and, um, like pug was a spicy dude man i remember like walking into junior worlds in 2019 it was him and michael c and he was like talking some trash on instagram and he was like i showed him a pic like holding a little bird and he was Mm -hmm. like um you know comparing himself to an owl and how they devour birds and stuff like that and like and now it just just it was funny shit but he he was like but um It was weird. I remember so I was at World Championships doing the commentary, and I was talking to Joe Stanek, and I'm like, "He's going to do my co-commentary," and uh, I was like, "What session you want to do? We're pretty open for the juniors." And he's like, "Oh, the 74s for sure." Like, tell me about these 74s. He's like, "Dude, fucking Ricky Cho and Michael C are about to do battle, and these dudes got they got some background." And I remember Ricky Cho walking on the platform. And just the fucking way he carried himself was like, he had the arrogance and cockiness like a Taylor Atwood, but he wasn't there yet, but he fucking was the presence. And some people don't like that shit, but I was like, I fucking like this kid. And then the total opposite was, um, and I had him on the podcast. Like I, I had them both on the podcast right afterwards. And I got along with both, but the total opposite was Michael C who was like quiet reserved uh man a few words strong silent type so their opposites were like very interesting but Michael on the podcast he's nobody's punk neither he's he's quiet and reserved but he's confident that's not insecurity he was like i told pug if you want it you'll get it we'll go on the platform sort it out and he sorted out on the platform and then leading into the Nats showdown he rematch he was like you know very confident you know what i mean It's, it's just all of them are confident they just carry themselves differently dude. I fucking it's love very him. interesting
1: and I, and I, I love that shit personally part of me thinks that uh, Ricky was playing a character for just kind of like the like the whole social media thing which I, I personally don't think anything's wrong with I just because I've talked to him personally about it and like he's different in person than he is than the way he was acting back then and i've just I've, I've heard like that he's that way as well but like that and then like the whole thing with the 83s. And like the past couple of years, like the I, it was really the seventy fours and the eighty threes, and just the the going back and forth between everything that really got me emotionally invested in, like kind of the culture.
0: Um. Yeah. In terms of the eighty threes, two thousand nineteen was the last time we had Brett, and of course mm-hmm. Brett, Brett and Russ, their back and forth rivalry, and it's unsettled, man. We're one and one. World, yeah. world shape that's where it's like fuck me we needed that one extra one now brett's injured and i don't think he's gonna come back who the hell i don't think it? he's
1: coming back either but i mean it's crazy because like brett brett had like one of the best gym performances of all like obviously he did like he 865 it wasn't it like three i thought it was like 867 or like 8, it might have been something like
0: that it might have been 867 dude it was up there it but, was like, like that but that's cr- like at 83 like that doesn't make any sense it is one of the best gym performances of all time ever. I don't think anyone's topped that. His full potential is absolutely bonkers. And I, I've talked to Russ about it. Like Russ has been on the podcast and openly. This is on the podcast, not in DMs. Like openly says like, listen, if you plug us both into a machine just to measure our overall power and strength, I think he's got me. But on, on the proper day, you know, attempt selection, whatever the shit, it, it shined my way. You know what I mean. Coaching playing. is
1: very important. Coaching yeah. on meet day is very underrated. That most people, um, oftentimes you'll 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 find, and this is not going into the Brett Ross situation, but oftentimes you'll find the weaker lifter on the day simply having the coach that out coaches the stronger lifter, and then the weaker person wins. You know, it just it happens. It happened at last Raw Nationals. Wow. We, we saw it. You know, um, and it's just crazy how things unfold on meet day.
0: It it, 100% can because people don't realize, like, if we just walk into the gym, and we're like, um, we're going to load the bar, it'll be a rising bar, increments of 10 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever the shit. And then people just start bowing out. It's just a max out day. Fine, you will just find out who could squat more because we're going to do a max out day or whatever. Everything changes when it's like lot numbers, which affect when you weigh in. And then the inverse, it affects if you're both going for the same number, the other person gets to go first. So lot numbers, you can have a lot number advantage, which affects your attempt selection. And then you're checking out, okay, did I weigh in less or more than this person? Now you have to know this on the fly. What's my lot number? Do I have body weight advantage? Do I have lot? You know, where's where am I lot number wise in comparison to the person that I'm trying to bump out in terms of competition? And then um, attempt selection. If you're going too too heavy, too, or you're playing too conservative, and it's like you were your deadlift is going to have to be too crazy because you played too conservative and you're too you in have the to pull the right number. You, you got to get it, the, there's a lot more that meets the eye. Yeah. So it's easy to fuck things up. And then um, and then when you get to deadlifts, sometimes you'll see a guy. Losing, and it's like, how the fuck are you losing when you are for sure the stronger person? And this has happened throughout powerlifting history, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll continue to happen too, one hundred percent, and for sure. I like Matt Gary talks about this all the time, and he's like the game day guru. And Matt Gary says, "I one hundred percent. The number one thing I want is the strongest guy, but after that." There's a lot of variables that people don't understand. He's like, mm-hmm. people think that's the only variable. He's like, that's the most important variable, but it is not the only variable. And um, that's when shit is the fan, man.
1: Yeah, and and it's neat day, like on the specific day, you you have to be flawless because you're coming there to do a certain to to carry out a job, and if you fuck up you have you have to wait a whole year until you can redeem yourself right so you really have to bring it all you know the the best way i would describe i haven't even been to a Royal nationals yet but the best way i would describe getting going to a usapl national meet would be like it's a business trip you know you're not going to have fun you're going to, to get it done where it counts
0: it's um yeah 100 like like i've had a you know chance on i've talked about before where he's like everything from how you're cutting the water. And it's already like, if you got water to cut to, if you're taking back calories, it, how many calories, how many calories? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't got to tell you. Cause I remember I was with Joey, uh, like this way back and Joey would be like, if you got to restrict calories or whatnot, I still want you to know how many calories are you to, are you getting in the day before you weigh in? Because if you got no calories in you, you're not going to have the fuel in the tank for the next day, and then nope. if you're, how are we doing this? Is it dehydration? Are you cutting back calories? How much? How are you recomping? You got to know these things, right? And some people like approach it and kind of like I'll figure it out on the fly, and it's like, fuck, man, you might, you might, you might get away with it, but you might not. Right? It depends who shows up. If you're going against
1: a guy who has all of his P's and Q's together, and he might be considered the weaker lifter, but you're not really taking care of those factors that you need to take care of. You might be in for a rude
0: awakening. You just got to be close enough. And they're mm-hmm. all close. Some of these divisions, everybody's fucking close, man. One through five mm-hmm. can be close. So when you were entering into powerlifting, you didn't have, because usually people recognize people their own size and like that's, you know, they look at their own weight class. Like how big I mean, were you in I've- 2019?
1: Oh, I, w- I was a one hundred and five. I was weighing in. A- I mean, I was growing into one hundred and five, so I was walking around at like two twenty-three body weight. And like, Fuck obviously, you were a big kid. weight class. Yeah, I because I'm like six feet tall, so I'm not, I'm not like five eight or anything like that. Right,
0: you know? right, right.
1: So, um, I always obviously Ashton was the guy, and he's always kind of set the standard, and what I've had to keep in my mind for like if I want to ever be on track or ever attain something like that, like that status one day, there's these certain benchmarks of what he did when he was at what, and then I have to over overwrite the same thing over and over again, and just keep going and keep progressing at the same rate or faster than the, the people before me did. You know, I look at Rondell's IPF world's per, junior performance from 2016, 2017 when he was wearing the black and white singlet. And I had to look at, what he did then. And then at what body weight? And I'm like, okay, well, if I want to be on track, I have to keep up with that. Or I have to, I have to do more than that. You know, I I like look at all these things and I keep a mental list or like keep a mental note of holding myself accountable to these certain standards.
0: It does help you. Like, obviously, you know, like there's a lot of factors, like we said, but it helps you set some kind of mental goals, right? Just something to, I mean, Someone listening would be like, there's a lot of things out. Like people can peak at different times in their lives and whatever the shit or, or right. in, in, the tough thing with powerlifting with our sport, like if you're a baseball player, you got like, how many games are in baseball? I mean, like 82 or some shit, something crazy. Like yeah. hockey's like 82 or baseball is mm-hmm. probably even more, but when you're a powerlifter, you got like two to three games a year. So you yep. have a bad game. It's, it, it's, it's tough because three days a year is a bad sample size to if you're getting better. You might have got way stronger, but you have one bad day, and it looks like you didn't get stronger at all in the last six months when it's like, no, you fucking for sure did. You just had right. a bad day. It's a bad mm-hmm. sample size. It's difficult, right?
1: Yeah. Like, I definitely think my most recent performance – was not representative of my of my true strength, be of what I'm capable of as a lifter. So that's why I'm really looking forward to this upcoming corrupted meet because David Wilson's doing the meet as well, and I I really want to take the opportunity. So like, if I were to want to have a super meet, I would want that to be my super meet.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, David won USAPL raw nats previously. He went to the IPF Worlds. I think he met. I'm pretty sure he medal that Worlds. I think he even got a silver medal, if I'm not mistaken
1: yeah i actually don't remember off the top of my mind in 2000
0: yeah i think it was 2019 man so yeah he's world class man he could do his damn thing he's good opposition to have um, he's
1: a very respected podium lifter and i, I feel like he'd be a, a great adversary because I, I feel like at the end of the day in respect after the meet if they're like oh yeah sean mills or wheeze came in came this close to beating david wilson or whatever happens then like they're like oh shit like he's the real deal he's not just some instagram personality slash influencer he's he can actually put his money where his mouth is how did you get the nickname Reese? so i believe it was 2018 where my fr- so, so there's there's let me back up a bit there's such things called as og usernames or like original us- usernames where when a, an instagram or social media platform first comes out people race to make all of the unique usernames that they can, you know, because once a username's taken, no one else can have it. So people will take all the go through the dictionary and find the most common words and make it a username so then they can eventually either keep it for themselves or sell it for a lot of money in the
0: future. You Sons know, what of mean? Bitches. that's pretty smart actually.
1: It is, it is, you know, some is when Instagram came out, someone has the username powerlifting and some for a brand or for some other individual. That might be a sought-after username for whatever reason. So they have that username on reserve so that they can sell it to someone else. So my friend in 2018 actually created, or I'm not sure if he created or if he bought the username at Wii's. And this was before I was on social media really posting lips or anything. I just bought it from him for like 20 bucks and I changed my name to it just to be something unique, you know, because at the username my or at the time my username was Sean Mills 123 with a couple underscores or whatever. And I was like, as, as opposed from being just like everyone else and having just my name and then like a couple other unique characters in it, why don't I just make myself something completely different and distinctive? So before I was even into powerlifting, going into college, my username was at Wheeze on Instagram. And it was only until following quarantine where I first started going to Power Build Gym in and shout out to them, where I was called Wheeze or referred to as Wheeze. In person for the first time ever. And it was just like, it caught me so off guard, because I'm like, why is someone calling me by my Instagram name. But then over time, more and more people started just referring to me to it as that where it's at the point where I hear wheeze more than I hear my actual name.
0: Is that fucking trippy now? you're Like, oh, well, I didn't think that was gonna happen. Now I'm used. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm fucking... used to it now. <laughs> you like feel like I got a fucking album coming out this summer, man. I got some summer bangers because it sounds like you you got to put like a little in front of it And now your little wheeze. If yeah, have... <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that. <laughs> I like that. So I I was dating a girl and her dad um, had a company and it was like DBM. Like just that DBM and for websites, it's, ex- it was the exact same thing. If you got a website and it was like acronyms, like three acronyms, no, like three but just three, just like abc.com or like, you know, whatever the fuck it, it, it could be. If like UFC.com, right. If you got a website with three acronyms in there, and nobody knew this in the nineties and early two thousands that this was going to happen. But now those things can be worth like millions because oh, there's yeah. companies all over the world. So, a company from Japan came to him and said, Um, so you got you got the dbm.com, and that was his company, is dbm. And they're like, We'll give you half a million dollars for that, mm-hmm. not like and half a million,
1: probably a low
0: ball, They
1: probably, <laughs> probably would have paid him five million for it
0: no shit man it's it's not so if you like like websites are probably all like gobbled up uh in terms of the dot coms but that's why if you look at like UFC's like dot tv because somebody probably got the dot com i bet you they bought it eventually but for a while there even the fucking usc was probably in negotiations with some dude who's like nah more give me more right yeah it's not because because these are multi-million dollar companies that we're dealing with. You know, they can afford more than $500,000, you know. That's why, like, um, yeah, I mean, you got to think when TikTok opens up, you got to fucking get. People are flying. to create Coca-Cola, them. whatever the shit, any, any mm-hmm. single platform that opens up, you got to try to do like an at and put all the big brand names. And then when they come, be like, all right, I've been expecting you. I've been expecting mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So here's, I actually have a chart of pricing. And <laughs> which one are you again? Okay, you're Coca Cola because I got Pepsi. Hang on a second. Let me find my pricing. You know right. what I mean? This is, I didn't even think of that, dude.
1: It's a real deal. It's a lot of money to be made on it.
0: You just got to be up on when these platforms come because these, you have to have
1: your ear to the floor and you have to, you have to be quick because it, it's minutes go by and
0: usernames are taken. Um in terms of uh so in terms of social media, man, you've been killing it. Which I've been, one do you have? Which one you prefer? What's your favorite platform to use?
1: Definitely Instagram. I'm trying to get more into YouTube with being on a more consistent uploading schedule. And then in addition, I'm trying my best with TikTok. TikTok is tough because the same content that does well on Instagram does not do well on yeah. TikTok because TikTok's algorithm works a bit differently. And they have a much younger demographic. I'm sure you've seen uploading lifts from King of the Lifts on Instagram up on TikTok. It's not the same at all, you know? In in addition to that, I'm trying to get more into streaming, whether it be on Twitch TV, whether it be lifts or just video games of me, just messing around with friends, you know, and just trying to continue venturing into the lifting, but then trying to grow myself outside of just the aspect of powerlifting, more so of just like Sean Mills or Weez as a brand.
0: I want to talk about that one sec. Before though, before we leave the TikTok and Instagram, um, mm-hmm. and and we get into the Sean Mills brand. So, one hundred percent, I noticed in terms of TikTok, it's interesting because a lifter can post a video and it could get a shitload of views. I could oh, post yeah. it, I could post it, it's a dud, or they could post a video, it's a dud. Then I post it and it fucking gets five mil, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make fucking sense. I have videos on TikTok that are like triple digits in the hundreds. I have videos on TikTok that are millions. And I'm like, no idea, Uh, no idea why, no rhyme or reason. I don't understand.
1: I'm still trying to figure it out myself because if I did have it figured out, I'd have 10 million on TikTok, but I don't. So I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's definitely kind of how you grab the user's attention, how the video looks, what's the quality of the like of the video, like whether or not. They're using pound plates or kilo plates because most people on TikTok don't know what kilo plates are. They just that's see cool. 25 red plates and they think it's 25 pounds. But, you know, when it's big, that's why you have the whole thing of like clout lifting with the big bumper plates and or the thick pound plates and the deadlift bars with the straps because normal people see big plates and they're like oh like it's more weight or they see a deadlift bar and they go oh the bar is bending it's got to be a lot of weight you know people don't really know because of how niche powerlifting is
0: it's true and it and captions on the screen for tiktok and like it's just different man and adding like voice so it's like 225 kilo as opposed to just a caption, you add those voices and the music and when it, it's a totally different feel, man, you got to change for every platform you are on. If you just try yeah. to do the same thing, it don't, don't work. work. And, yeah. um, and then the algorithms are motherfucking, man. I don't, nobody knows because you could have some videos jump off and you're like, okay, I think I got it. And then your next video where you do the exact same, it's like, all right, well we're back don't to normal well. again. We're, we're back yeah, to normal. Yeah, Okay. Here we are. It's, uh, it's the wildest on, yeah, man. I don't know. The one thing to, so people say, um, we don't know how the social media thing's going to work. People say like platforms die or they age out and they might, and they might not. Here's two different things. Facebook. Are you frozen right now? Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay. Facebook is aged. You got to be 40 plus to be on Facebook. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's not the same. YouTube even though it's been around as long as Facebook has not aged out it's as fucking popular wild as it's ever been and it's consistent and it's growing they have short videos and it's more interactive shit like that so Instagram might people are like Instagram's going to end up like Facebook I'm like maybe not Instagram might end up like YouTube and just stick around and be the all encompassing platform
1: I just I I don't see Instagram aging out and the reason for this is because obviously trends come and go and obviously things evolve but what separates a platform from dying or continuing to be relevant is its ability to adapt and what I mean by that is when Instagram started out with just photos there were no videos no anything else when Snapchat came onto the scene and introduced stories months later you see Instagram release stories where people can post uh, temporary photos and videos. When you see apps like vine come out, do you remember vine? Yeah. So when vine came out, they introduced six to seven second videos and everyone was saying, Oh my God, they're going to kill Instagram. It's the new Instagram. But lo and behold, Instagram releases 15 second videos. And now we're at like, you can release them for like 10 minutes, 10 minute videos. So you see Instagram after one instance, adding stories to adapt to what Snapchat did. And then on another instance, adding videos to adapt to what Vine did. And with that, lo and behold, I don't really off the top of my mind, I can't really think of anything else that could be game breaking enough to be introduced to social media, to, to have everyone leave said social media. TikTok came up and they, and TikTok had its thing with spontaneous videos that were short and addicting And then you see Instagram reels come up and that's them adapting. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that Instagram will never age out ever, but they've proven on three different instances historically to be keeping up and adapting and pivoting their their model to meet what's currently in demand. So until they stop doing that, I don't see Instagram going anywhere.
0: And and I agree. This is where it's like some people – don't have any other logic than will Facebook seem to age. It's like, fine. But that's the shittiest of sample sizes when you got one. You know what I mean? Like there might be some other ones, but they didn't necessarily age off. They just died because they're small and things die off. But that's not the same. Facebook came off as, it was initially marketed to college students
1: to be connected and like, oh, in the loop of like, who's going to what? And like, it was like the cool trendy thing. But then it became the thing where like, it's just old people use it to post their grandkids. You know, they didn't really appeal to that younger audience, which is what's necessary
0: in order to keep something hot and trending. It's not even when I even think Facebook, I could see where it die off because it is. It's like almost like a it's like a LinkedIn almost in terms of like, you just know the people, you know, but you don't actually follow. They tried to make you follow people on Instagram, but it's not set up like that. It's not set up mm-hmm. like an like a like an Facebook isn't set up like an Instagram to follow people, and um and ha- like it's just we, the whole interface isn't. So you could see where it'd be like it's going to reduce into just social immediate social networks and that's it. And eventually, that's just not going to cut it for people who want to no. be social media influencers. You're absolutely right. Yeah, man. I don't think Instagrams going nowhere. Um, but you got to stay. You know. Jumping on the tick tock and, and whatever the shit, even though
1: <laughs> it's important it's, to keep your ear to the floor and just have an open mind and be able to improve, adapt, and overcome, especially in all instances. If something comes out like an Instagram V2, and it's just better in, than Instagram in every way and whole culture is like all oh, power, of the thing starts to migrate over. You would be dumb not to jump ship. You know,
0: right. here's a, here's, so here's another thing in the future, you know, like, like this is all, we're now all attached to our phones. That shit is going to be old school. We're going to see pictures of us in this era and be like, Fuck, remember we used to always carry our phones around and be around our phones. The next thing is going to be something different. It's going to be like, we ourselves are going to be tapped in some virtual reality yeah. shit. You pull it up in your head. You can Google inside your head. You're connected like this. And it's going to be some next level shit. man.
1: You're going to, you're absolutely right. And like, I can't even imagine what that would even entail because I just have no idea. And like, we haven't really seen anything like that yet, but I, I I, for sure agree. We're not gonna be tapped in like glued to our phones many years from now, like we are now, you know, it's everything's constantly evolving and changing and something new is gonna come out where we're gonna be, oh, that's the most efficient, best thing to use. And then we're all gonna do that.
0: Virtual reality is already killing. They have people right now, they have experts in terms of setting up um, factories and mechanics and whatnot. They can be here, like they can be in the US, a fucking expert in IT, the whole nine. He can throw on virtual reality goggles and be in the factory in Italy, setting it up, walking, be like, this is where we want this, this is where we want that. And he's like setting up the whole fucking factory virtually from a different country. and, And he can like check out the machines, the whole nine, man. This is now, in like 10 years time, this is all, I don't know, man.
1: It's gonna be much more mainstream and gonna be like acceptable in terms of like, oh, yeah, like that's just someone virtually connecting across the world. It's gonna be right. like, it's gonna be very nonchalant, gonna be very accepted.
0: Yeah. Will you be at Worlds? Uh, not physically, but I'll be, my avatar will. <laughs> right. right. You know yeah, that, that I got drunk with Sean's avatar in South Africa. It was wild, yeah. man. It was yeah, the freaking wildest. But mm-hmm. um, so you were talking about your brand kind of outside of powerlifting what what were you what are your plans because you're a young dude 20 years old you got the whole world in front of you well
1: i'm trying to tap into more so the other fitness culture that's kind of like the alpha elite gym bro kind of thing that's like more so bodybuilding but not just powerlifting you know i'm trying to kind of capitalize on that kind of what people who are like Christian Guzman or, like, Ryan Dangler have done in the past. Because Ryan – are you familiar with Ryan
0: Dangler? I'm not super into the fitness uh, influencers. Well, essentially, he was, like, the first
1: college fit guy. You Uh know what I mean? And that he made that his brand and was able to capitalize on that. And there was a niche to be filled with that. And he blew up off of it. So I'm really trying to find that next niche that needs to be fulfilled, but is also me at the same time in which I can – just market myself as like Sean Mills as opposed from just a kid who has a bit of style and power lifts and he's pretty strong, you know? So I'm trying to branch out with more forms of social media. Um trying to include think on YouTube things that are more so lifestyle things that people are able to see. There's like that I'm multifaceted and that I'm not just some lifter. You know, like there's YouTubers such as like Jesse James West or other people that or uh, names aren't coming to me off the top of my mind, but essentially their whole thing on YouTube is having fun. They go cool places, meet cool people, have good times, and it pays off. And it's just like a positive feedback loop because they're just on YouTube living their best lives, having the best time. And people are entertained by that and want to tune in and watch it. And as a result, they get more ad revenue and are able to make more money from more brand deals because of the bigger following in order to do more cool things. So it essentially has like a positive feedback loop. You see what I'm saying?
0: Is it like, okay, so are we talking like basically the cameras follow them around almost like reality TV? To an extent, yes. To an extent, yes. It's why, because I don't, I like, I'm obviously, uh, you know, I I watch boxing, MMA and Jake Paul and the Paul brothers Mm -hmm. have infiltrated, but they've really jumped off. They were like from Vine to YouTube, now podcasting, Jake's in, in uh, boxing and just blowing it up Um, and marketing marketing geniuses, dude. Like Jake Paul isn't with like no boxing experience, like very little anyways, became the biggest boxing drop besides Canelo, but like one of them anyways in the world. Tyson Fury is bigger too, but like, he's one of them. He's up there and it's insane, man. And he's uh, it, it just purely off of marketing.
1: A fucking like a marketing G, this kid marketing is genius.
0: a multi-millionaire, and he's like 24. Yeah. I,
1: I fully intend to perf- like in a perfect world, I fully intend to have a similar type thing going on you know what i mean i fully intend to have my own podcast one day multiple brands multiple streams of revenue and kind of just branch out and still be involved with powerlifting but that's not going to be my main thing
0: right well you got you would have to blow it up bigger Powerlifting's a little too niche like he it's went into box deep. he went into boxing but he was even he was like massive before boxing it just it fit it fit beautifully you know and obviously he's a hard worker
1: if you look at Barbell Brigade and, you know, they were pioneers in terms of the sport and they did a lot for the culture. I think they got a lot of people into the sport, specifically a lot of Asian people, but that's neither here nor there. But like all of the original Barbell Brigade people, they're not in the sport anymore. You know, like they're not, they've moved on to bigger things that are outside just powerlifting.
0: I mean, if you could get that crossover, man, it's all about, yeah. you know, you where you finish isn't going to be necessarily where you started, man. You start somewhere and you blossom from there. Um, so how, how do these dudes that are like big on Instagram or sorry, big on YouTube. Cause I'm not like, I don't, I don't watch too much YouTube. I'm, I'm pretty flipping busy doing More a bunch do of I.
1: things. Go ahead.
0: But, but I find it interesting. It's not, I don't do it as like, I don't not watch it as though like, oh, fucking, you know, I'm above whatever, but a lot of the content I have to take in is going to be audio because I'm doing shit. So it's in the podcast. Cause I'm, it's in the background, but it right, is interesting. It's interesting that there's platforms where it's like, you can make your own series shows and programs and shit. Um, so these dudes are just straight up like fitness people. And just like, would you have like a, I guess you going to Texas would be something.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like, I I fully intend to document my entire journey down to Texas, my entire journey moving in, what I'm doing on a daily basis. I'm looking to work closer with a photographer or a videographer in order to be able to handle the media side of things. So then I can focus on being myself and being able to do that. Because when I have to focus on recording, editing, uploading, it doesn't, it, it takes away from being able to just be myself in order to entertain the most amount of people that I can.
0: Right. Dude, fucking Delaney Wallace. Holy shit. Is he up when we were at PA, uh, PA nets um, me and Pete from SBD were talking to Delaney and we're like, my dude, you gotta, you gotta post more, man. You're a phenomenal lifter and um you got a major showdown at ipf worlds people are going to get excited about it but you don't post enough and tim monogati from new zealand phenomenal lifter but he don't post a lot so we could have a major showdown and nobody's going to know about it because you guys are posting like if you were in a major showdown you'll be posting and then delaney you was up. you got to gas it up man and uh and i'll repost to have people on t- on the podcast and uh Delaney's like in PA Nazi's like, I got something for you fellas. Everything's going to change when I get back. Trust me. And me and Pete were like, dog, like seriously, like what's going to be so special. We seen like bench triples. Like it is what it is, man. Like we've seen all the videos. What's, what could it be? means like, trust me. And when he got back home and he's, he, he's got a, for really real job, you know, he's a financial investor. He's got money. Yeah. He is for sure invested money in his social media content and it is fucking fire now man he's got man. like studio audio over his videos the videos are cut and spliced and edited there was production there man and i'm like that's Holy what you gotta shit, do the lady
1: that's part of it that's what you gotta i remember having talks with him he was asking me a, some questions pertaining to social media stuff and i was like dude like you have the power to completely change everything with social media like it you're the only person stopping you from doing it you know you have to take full advantage and play your cards right and it can really pay off you know like SBD is single-handedly care like carrying all of powerlifting's marketing right now you know what usapl is doing with their marketing doesn't even hold a candle to all the SPD stuff that they did with powerlifting America, with what they with, what they're doing with Sheffield. The Sheffield video was the best powerlifting video I've ever seen ever.
0: I and said that too.
1: It was the best video I've ever seen ever. And you wouldn't even know that Mega Nationals is what six weeks out right now? Like seven weeks out. You wouldn't even know because all I can see is radio silence.
0: It's um, dude, that Sheffield video. So that justin nut put that video together. And fucking shout out to Justin Nutt. When that dropped, I fucking damn near night. Um, it was fucking phenomenal, man. That shit. I, I I slid in my man's DMs, slid in Pete's DMs, and I was like, um, fuck, I even messaged Benjamin Banks. Was like, holy shit, that's one of the best. That that is no, that is the best video I've seen in our sport. Period, man. Period. It was, uh, it was wild. They did, they did a very, very good job. And that's raises the bar for everybody else who's like, we got a we got a meet coming up or even if it's not even a meet, even if it's a product launch or whatever the shit. But when you see something like that, everybody else realizes, oh, we're not doing, we thought we were doing all right. We got to raise our game. It's just, you see one talented kid yeah like that needs to be
1: the standard you know like that needs to be at minimum what's being put out or else how can people ever expect powerlifting to grow if they're not putting out gas content like that that gets people invested it's never going to happen
0: it's you find one um you know like like pete is murdering in terms of a massive push putting together these like the events like sheffield like the logistics side it's got to be a nightmare trying to put all this together and then i think justin's doing like he's uh, i still doing videos too but they're kind of focusing on things and you when you got a team if you fucking find somebody it's like you could do killer videos you just need to find that kid with the vision man and be like have at it have at it and start moving
1: and J- Justin's the guy, I still remember working with him for a 2021 collegiate nationals. And just to see how he's grown and progressed ever since then, I'm, I'm so happy for him because he's such a talented kid and like, he's their guy now, you know?
0: Yeah. For videos. I mean, both of them. Um, I mean, I say both of them, those are the guys I'm most familiar with. There's more people than that in SPD, obviously I'm not going to shortchange nobody, but when I was like, you talk to them and like, they, there are, there are times when they, like when an event rolls around, these dudes don't sleep, man. These dudes are like, 50, these dudes are up early, bed the latest, and just working like crazy. Their work ethic won't be touched, man. It's one of those deals where it's like, if you want to catch up and do what they're doing, you have to have a team like that that's willing to sacrifice. Like when an event rolls around, they'll be up till two o'clock in the morning working on issues and back up at 6 a.m. It doesn't matter. You know, that's not need be done. That's how you get shit done, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's pretty wild. So, having said that, what's your plans for the future? Then, you, in terms of what? Well, so you saw you saw the corrupt. Like obviously, you're you're slated for the corrupted strength, but you saw the Sheffield's rolling around, and you hyped up on Sheffield. Do you have any? And you're but you're a one ten right now, so are you thinking you're going to might stay usapl you're not sure you might go pa route and take a swing at ipf worlds and take a swing at you know what might happen with a potential like look at i mean ipf worlds will be difficult to win as a junior but fucking it's been done um you'd Mm -hmm. have to pick a different weight class though so there's there's things to consider
1: right yeah so um my game plan as of now is i'm going to do the corrupts Strength classic and then I believe I'm going to return once more to the USAPL for collegiate nationals next year. For I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna empty the tank. I just wanna do it because it's kind of my last send off in terms of uh, competing as a college student. So I did it my sophomore year because freshman year was canceled. I won it sophomore year. And then junior year, I didn't do collegiate, but I did junior and I won that. And now I believe I'm going to what I want to do is I want to go back and do it for my last year as a senior. And I I'm not I feel like I should be able to win it fairly easily if someone else doesn't show up out of the woodworks that's totaling high 800 kilos. So I'm going to do that. And then that will likely be my last USAPL meet. Uh, Before I go to powerlifting America. And so I'm already in the process right now of losing weight, I would usually walk around at 110 111 kilos. So I'm dieting down, I'm waking up at around like 10109 108 right now. And that's where I see myself for the foreseeable future at 105, you know, it's going to be tougher to get stronger being taller, but I I'm committed to getting it done. You know, we have people in the IPF that are one Oh five that are decently tall. We have uh Clement.
0: Yeah. Coco six, six, three, three and he's
1: one Oh five. And he totals 900 kilos. Yeah. So that, that in itself tells me that it's possible. And I'm determined to do that.
0: It's funny. You said Coco, I I'm, I'm dropping that podcast tomorrow. Um, He's got a fucking phenomenal story. Young guy too, man. He's like, maybe a year older than you or something like that. He's around the same age and you're right. He's six, three, a one Oh five young fucking guy. And he's, uh, you know, planning on doing big things. He's in the open. Um, mm-hmm. It is. a uh, So if you're like one Oh eight, that's an easy cut. Three kilo of water is nothing for a guy in terms of your size. Right. What are the major goals then for moving over to the IPF? You want that open world title? Is it Sheffield? Is it, what's the, well, what's the goals?
1: So, I mean, obviously, I want to be able to say that I've gone to Worlds, and um, obviously, like, I feel every powerlifter has a spot, like, has goals of being a world champion one day. Whether or not that happens, I'm going to do everything I can in order to make it happen. Um, But it essentially would be being able to represent my country on behalf of Team USA at a world at a world meet, where everyone's speaking different languages in the flight, it's just it just sounds like super surreal and a very romantic idea for me, or to me, which I'm destined, or I really want to make happen. And that, in terms of you know Sheffield, anything's possible. You know, if if we have lifters like like Coco going to uh to Sheffield and competing there, then um, I I don't see why I couldn't do it one day as well. Winning's a whole other thing, you know, because obviously like in terms, I'm not even sure how they're scoring Sheffield. I know there's something with the records or whatever, but in terms of like winning best overall lifter, you know, like we all know it's the Taylor Atwood show and it's always, it, it'll likely will be for the foreseeable future because he wins on every formula. But I mean, if I, if I'm able to say that I'm in the mix with those lifters, then at the end of the day, I, I can be satisfied.
0: Um, so you would have an well, for like just going to Sheffield. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be an absolutely bonkers event. So, winning is one thing, but being involved and you could collect cash along the way, and just like being flown out for an event like that is going to be insane. Um, but but, and, and Taylor is like 13 years older than you, so at some point. Taylor won't be around and you will. So, you know, it's you never know because when Taylor wasn't there at World's a 105 won best lifter, and that was Anatoly. So there is 105s who could do, you know, win world's best lifter. That was IPF points. It'll be different Sheffield. But who's Sheffield's point system changed from the first time they introduced Sheffield in 2020 to this one in 2022? Who knows in the freaking future, man? Like um, things change up right you, you they'll just like anything they're going to evolve to make things as interesting as possible but would you yeah. want to go to first because you're 20 would you want to go to junior worlds because you'll be a junior for a couple more years and then the open you like get a world title possibly then move into the worlds and kind of like progress
1: mm-hmm.
0: um it would really it would really be
1: very situational in terms of where my strength is at in relation to the open and what I mean by that is if I'm within 10 to 15 kilos of the of the open nominee for 105 I would consider it but if it's like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get blown out by 40 kilos then I would likely settle for junior worlds because I mean that would still be a cool thing in my opinion going to junior worlds and being a junior world champion because that kind of sets you up like you said down the line to be able to kind of progress uh like into the open after you
0: know? well in terms of like experiences dealing with like flight travel you know weighing in at an international event international judges and the the same experience in terms of being in that hotel and there's like people with 40 different languages in the same hotel as you and you're just soaking it up and you could be in asia you could be in europe and you're like holy fuck this is a real international event it's all still there you know so um, yeah it's it's a good experience and then when you move into the open world championships things don't rattle you when you're in a new country and, and you're going through customs and all the rest of it and you're like a, an athlete like that it's a little bit more of the same there's some development like athletes develop over time man especially if you're only 20 years old but if your strength is on par and you're ready to rock and roll and you, your ticket gets punched and you can go, the thing is just earning your ticket, you gotta go through a guy like uh, Michael Davis or whoever might be the one. Yeah, from, like right? I'm not that stuff.
1: That's that's Mikey, you know what I mean? Right. Like, Mikey is Mikey, and you know, I, I gotta go through that rite of passage in order to be able to even like I've only been in the sport for two years, you know. I'm not really I, I I'm kind of seeing the long or the long-term perspective as opposed from like, Oh, I need to be the best right now. You know,
0: what what, does it feel like everything's happening so fast? The fact that you've only been in the sport two years and here we are talking like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because I remember getting into the sport and I I did not know that I was going to have a presence like this. I did not know that I was going to be associated with the people that I'm associated with or talking to the people that I'm talking with or being with the coach that I'm with. I didn't expect to be being flown out for all these different events and having my stay traveled and, or all my my stay paid for and travel and being able to make like a lot, a decent amount of money, especially for a college student from social. I never like foresaw any of this. So it's very, very surreal to me. And just like in the past two years, my life has completely changed.
0: What do you like your friends and family say when they're like, Sean, you have thousands of people around the world following you. You're like, your dad must be telling other people like my fucking son. He's, he's got thousands of people all over the world following him. He's doing podcasts and shit. He's going to Texas apparently for the summer. I uh, <laughs> like this has got to be crazy for them to wrap their heads around. And it's happened so quickly. You just found this sport two years ago and mm-hmm. now we're talking like we're talking.
1: Yeah. It's um, it's very, it's, It's interesting from my perspective, because I get to see how all these people who have been around me my whole life are reacting to it. And I like sometimes from other people's reactions, it kind of puts it into perspective for me, like, damn, like, Loki, this is kind of crazy, because, you know, to me, everything's normalized because I deal with it on a day to day basis. I deal with the progression of day to day. Of day to day things. So I've like become desensitized to it. But right. when I zoom out and look at it from a third party perspective, um, I can kind of appreciate like, wow, like this is pretty, pretty, pretty cool.
0: Well, I mean, the thing too is when you're 20 and this is the first big, you know, venture you're diving into like this, because you're just getting it, you're not even done school yet. So this is like the first big venture you're diving into things are really progressing quickly. And like, is this the way it's always going to be when I dive into something? And for a lot, for 99% of people who jump into powerlifting or anything, no. Mm. <laughs> like there are 99% of powerlifters out there who are like, yeah, bro. No, we had like three competitions, pretty average. And that was that, that was a wrap, son. Like there was none of this. That's why it's so wild. But you wouldn't know because at 20, like you're just like, well, this is the thing I chose. And here we are. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's where, like, some other people in your life might be like, Holy shit, my dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank God you found it, first off. And, right. uh, seriously. It yeah, seriously. changed my life. Yeah, for sure. So, I, do you foresee a life after powerlifting where you segue out and you're like, Look at, like, what would that take to you? Is it, is it like, look at, do you plan on doing this forever as a master lifter? Or are you like, Nah, I don't want to do it like that. I want to be gone by 30. I got an exit strategy where this is in my rear view, with all due respect. Mm,
1: I try not to think about things like that because I try to live in the moment. But if I were to have to give an answer, I mean, I, I don't really see myself being a very competitive lifter by the time I turn like 40. You know what I mean? Like, that's double my age now. I, right. I, don't really see, I don't really see it being in the picture now. But I mean, who's to say that I couldn't be entering my prime as a lifter by the time I'm 30, 32, 33, you know? Like, look, look at Tamer right now. You know, I don't even think we know when that prime really is just because of how little we've been here for.
0: Yeah, look, we're collecting more and more data as the years go. I mean, we like, like you're right. For instance, we think people start deteriorating at a certain age, but wait until Taylor's 40. And maybe we're like, well, maybe we got to push that number back. Like training changes, training changes as we go. So, yeah.
1: Like We didn't think in the past that you'd be able to be 30 years old and the strongest you ever were, but, you know, barriers are being broken and that's just the natural progression of things. So, I mean, I could give an answer now, but that answer could be completely different by the time that time comes.
0: Dude, no question. If you talk to Six Pack Labanette when he's 20 my fucking dude i don't I have no idea what that idiot would be saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, but when you're 40 and you listen to these podcasts you're like oh my god mm-hmm. the, the, that was such a different time i remember that summer of texas of 2022 um, yes. yeah it'll be crazy but it is true that um like for instance look at fucking look at football brady is like in his 40s and still crushing you know, yeah. you go into the 1970s and take a look at a 40-year-old. I don't know if they showed um, James Bond, Jean, Sean, Sean Connery, when he was 37 in the 70s playing James Bond. The guy looked like he was fucking 62. Like, like people are not aging the way they used to age, man. So, who no. knows? By the time you're 40, it'll be like you're 20. And people will be living until they're 120.
1: I would love that. I would love that, honestly.
0: You never know, man. So what are some of your goals in terms of, like, when you're, when you're retired and you do look back, how, do, how what are the goals you hope to have attained and how you hope to be remembered? At
1: the end of the day, I just want to be able to say that I had no regrets with the way I handled myself and handled opportunities given to me. So whether that be a certain number in the database at the end of the day when it's all said and done, or the amount of records or the amount of medals or the amount of anything else i just want to be able to say that i have that i couldn't have done anything else in my power in order to do anything more but in terms of like a specific amount i don't i don't know what i could do or what i could say because theoretically speaking i could never hit another pr ever again but if i did all my power to to put myself in the position to succeed, then I can't really have any regrets because there's nothing else I could have done.
0: Right. Leave it all on the platform, right? That's right. when it's easiest to walk away from anything, man. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask a couple questions before I let you go. I appreciate your time, by the way, of course. some questions for people to get to know you a little better outside of powerlifting. So there's three questions for you. Um, number one, what is your favorite music and artist? Oh
1: man. Uh, definitely rap. And I would definitely have to say that Young Thug has been the most influential artist that I've uh, listened to throughout my childhood and even
0: now. And uh, what's your favorite movie and actor? It's crazy because I'm not really a movie guy. Um, I just,
1: I don't know. I just, my brain can't really sit down and focus for like three hours at once because I'm just, I like to multitask a lot of things. But if I were to pick one it would probably be Matt Damon in the the Bourne trilogy if you are familiar with those. Oh fuck yeah, yeah. The those Bourne are trilogy. some badass movies. Yeah. Badass movies.
0: That first one was like, holy smokes, man. That's I a prefer prime. those
1: over over James Bond and any of that because James Bond's just very like swirling martinis and driving motorcycles off cliffs. But uh, like the Bourne trilogy was a little bit more gritty and a bit more realistic and. It was just, honestly, I, I, I enjoyed it more.
0: The Bond movies, for sure, started turning into car chases, things blowing up, pretty over-the-top stuff. And The Bourne, for sure, was more gritty. He was like, I think he killed a guy with a pen. Like, they were more fighting, hand-to-hand fighting, and less car chases with things blowing up. It was more John Wick-esque. Not quite John Wick, but, like, he was, because he was like, but it was more John Wick-esque. It right?
1: was, like, a little toned. It was, like, John Wick, but a little more toned down, a little bit more realistic. Right. a little bit more yes. serious and like less hollywood
0: 100 percent. yeah he's not walking in a room and killing 30 guys like john wick but he'll mm. he's it's not quite like james bond um and yes. what about what's your favorite actor or actress it, it'd probably be matt damon oh no shit yeah he, man, he's good yeah, he's, he's fucking good. good um check out matt damon if you haven't seen it goodwill hunting
1: goodwill hunt i haven't seen that one i'll have to <laughs>
0: tap into that he was this is how Matt Damon and Ben Affleck became famous. They were young guys in their 20s. Not a shitload older or new even. They mm. wrote a movie in their 20s, got it got talked a, a studio company to greenlight it, gave them all this money, won Oscars and their fucking careers took off, but they wrote, directed, produced, they put this thing together themselves in their 20s like young ass men. And when you oh, watch, wow, they
1: did it themselves.
0: Gog, when you watch it, they're young dudes and they crush it. Um, just so talented uber talented it, mm-hmm. like for you a guy who wants to do your own thing carve your own path now that you know what Matt Damon is that's your favorite actor mm-hmm. find out how he got started and fucking he did it himself man like when no one gives you a chance you gotta take chances you gotta do it yourself That's that was Lil Wayne right there my man I love that <laughs> when no one gives you a chance you gotta take chances and that's what Matt Damon did Um, and last one what is your favorite movie or sorry what is your favorite food Food? yeah um definitely a nice
1: a nice ribeye or a nice filet mignon
0: oh my man's got some expensive taste a culture yeah. man, a man of yeah. culture that's right yeah man um if i could get my hands on one for sure man you can't have those very often you'll be a 120 no. plus before you know it but yeah they're good. Hell's it's yeah. a novelty. It's a novelty, man. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. Um, is there anybody you want to thank? Um, and also if you want to give everybody your social medias before we let you go.
1: So my Instagram, uh, you can find me at Weez, W H E E Z E. That's that's where you can find all my lifting and then through my link tree and my bio, all my other forms of social media. And then, um, I would just like to thank my coach, Joey Flax. Uh, Colin Whitney, the owner of Power Build, he gave me a platform right off rip of when I first started that really set the tone for me to be able to take myself to where I am today. And um, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's it.
0: Perfect, my man. Look at good luck with everything. Hopefully, I run into you sometime, man. I mean, yeah, hopefully, at some, at some hopefully, an, uh, an international competition sometime
1: next year, or if you'll be at Powerlifting American Nationals, hopefully, I'll see be. you there.
0: I'm more than likely will be. I'm doing the the internationals, Sheffield's, but uh, powerlifting America is bringing me in because SBD's doing their streams, and I work a lot with SBD. So, fuck, man, we'll see each other, man. We'll do a damn thing Hopefully. until next time, man. All yeah. right, thank you for coming on six pack lap of that Sean Mills six up. We are out.